Pharisee, I preach the gospel. I follow the apostles, you follow Pentecostals. You're not reformed, so that's a risk. I believe the five points like an asterisk. I repent, but you're in sin still. I spit rhymes and Fernando does a windmill. Alright, here we go. Welcome to another episode of Solar Cast. It's your boy, Pastor Chris Hernandez, and here I got my man, Jimmy Delo Santos. Alright, what's going on, Jimmy? How you doing, Pastor Chris? Uh, doing good, man. Doing good, man. Just here again, another episode, another podcast recording. Yeah. Good to uh, be here. Another Lord's Day. Another Lord's Day. Yeah, yeah. we've been doing it more on Lord's Days, right? Yeah. Well, Saturdays, though, but now we've been doing Sunday nights. It'd be nice to do it on Saturday, but I had a, I had a thing going on yesterday morning, and I couldn't get away, so I... Uh, had to beg off until this this evening, and yeah. so it's my fault this week that we have to do it on on Lord's Day. I saw good man. Had some things to take care of yesterday anyway, so yeah, yeah. it's all good. Had a good service again this morning. Oh man, yeah. we were it's packed house this morning. We had a yeah. few visitors, and I was uh, a little surprised. I, I'm not sure you know where they came from, uh, but we sure did have to have extra seats out and right. things like that. So when the when all the families showed up, it was like every pew was full, and we had to put some extra chairs out. Yeah. It's good when that happens. It's really yeah. good when that happens, when we can enjoy it. And, um, you know, I talked to one guy afterwards who found us, I guess, at the Gospel Coalition website right, and right. Uh, linked to our Ecclesia Church website. And so that's good. I'm, I'm glad that he showed up. He's he's looking around, looking so, for a church. Uh, are, you, <laughs> are you endorsing TGC? <laughs> Bro. If they point, if they point someone to our church, that's what I'm. I'm I just, glad about. I, I just play it, man. That's you know, like, the thing about TGC, man. I know that we give them a hard time, and other people give them a hard time. But there's just so many diverse voices, you know, that contribute to that site. Right. Some we have issues with, and some we enjoy. So it's kind of a mix, you know. Yeah, I'm not. You know, I read an article there once in a while. Some I agree with, some with I I, I don't. I, yeah. It seems like sometimes uh, you can read something from TGC UK that's right. actually yeah, that's man, actually seems, really yeah. like uh, on point. With it most seems of like the their international pages actually got some better stuff, better quality. It, yeah, some of the some of the USA stuff is yeah. a little dodgy sometimes. Yeah. But you know, yeah. hey, if they're pointing someone to Ecclesia, they took 19 <laughs> Singleton Boulevard. I'm going to say. Thank you. Hey, yeah, yeah. You know, they ended up at a good church this morning. What can yeah. we say, right? Yeah, man. And uh, I guess I'll go ahead and throw it out on the podcast, man. We had a nice little uh, members meeting that, that excluded you. <laughs> Should we tell the people why? Um, you tell me, bro. Yeah. I don't even know. I wasn't in that meeting. I, had yeah. to, you know, I, I scooted out of there, and so I didn't know uh, how, we, how it went out. Yeah, we kind of announced to the to the congregation that that Jimmy was going to uh, be nominated for uh, an elder candidate. It went pretty good, man. Everybody was in the same spirit, and you know, yeah. everybody kind of was in agreement. So for the next six months, you know, we're just going to be, you know, kind of just watching, watching my brothers walk, <laughs> and everybody's going to be just kind of watching the walk, and then we'll put it to a vote, man. So uh, we're excited, man. I think everybody's everybody's kind of excited to that the church is kind of moving along, you know, right? And that these things are getting taken care of. So I'm an elder candidate, is what you're saying? Right. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, I'm, I'm gonna tell the listeners too. Yeah. You didn't tell me anything about that or that you were going to do that right. while we were recording. Yeah, so no, I just sprung it up on you on, <laughs> you on, the, sprung, you sprung on the podcast. You so I was man. a little surprised that well, you Well, you know, that. you didn't ask me before the show how the meeting went, so I was I like, figured I, just tell, yeah. I figured you'd tell I me when I you were ready. Right. I guess I'll just tell you while we're recording, man. But it went, well, that's it went really well. It, we didn't take too long, man. Everybody was ready to go out to eat anyway, so. Oh, yeah. yeah. Let's get to let's get to Yeah, let's get to lunch. This is not too heavy of a decision. Yeah. But it was all good, man. I think yeah. everybody's just excited for what's going on at the church, man. You know, yeah. Praise God for yeah. all that. But 
you know, you have your grandson with you yeah. this weekend. This, yeah, this, the, I'm watching my grandson. My, my daughter's birthday was just a few days ago, and her, her and her husband decided to take a little trip. And so they, they've done this before. They've asked me to babysit or to watch RJ, uh, my grandson, for a few days. And it's always, man, it's always a joy to have RJ. Right. I, I get the most joy out of him that as soon as he sees me, you know, he, you know, he knows I'm grandpa. He says Papa already. Sometimes I try to get him to say Papa. He won't do it. He'll say Papa at other times when I'm not expecting it. Right. But he really seems to want to cling to me, and, and he knows that I'm his grandfather, and, and I've taught him some things. I, I always try to teach him something. I'll sing the ABCs with him, or or we'll count, or I'll talk, I'll talk about his fingers and toes, and right. nose, eyes, ears, mouth. And so he, he's very smart, and he's very curious about everything. And now I've got that cat in the apartment. So Fred the cat <laughs> meets RJ, my grandson. And uh, that's been a little fun. Match uh, made in heaven. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and the cat's very affectionate, like I said before. And so, he's, you know, he's coming he's coming right up to RJ. And, and I'm trying to show RJ how to gently pet the cat so where he doesn't, you know, strangle the, the cat. It's just, you know, it's just toddlers are toddlers. And that's, you know, they need to learn uh, a little restraint when it comes to animals. Right. And I was just talking to somebody the other day. I never intended to be a cat person. And this is my daughter's cat. It's not like it's my cat, but I, I feel for the cat. I want him to eat, you know. So I so I feed him. I, I you know make sure he's got water, and I and I take care of the things that the cat needs. Same thing with my grandson. What what does he need? I'm I'm looking out for him. I'm trying to trying to anticipate what he's looking for and what he needs. And so to the issue of the day, I, I think of that when it comes to abortion, right? Right. Heavy topic that we're going to talk about today. Yeah. As we transfer that, I just can't imagine life without rj at this point yeah he's a year and a half old and life without rj i I suppose if i never knew it would be okay but knowing there was a baby and then there's not is a different thing and how did we get here the reason that we start talking about it is because it is the issue of our time right yeah i mean if you watch the headlines if you pay attention to any of the headlines you know that this is a a big topic of the day right (laughs) The issue of the right to to choose pro-choice, pro-life, and so forth. And, man, abortion has gotten really political. It's just really a political firestorm. And people on both sides of the aisle are really uh, battling it out, which... As believers, man, we kind of take a step back, and I don't see how this or why this really should be a political issue. In my opinion, this is a justice issue. This is just a humanity issue, right? A a human right to life issue. It it shouldn't really be political. But we have, in this country, we have politicized the issue of abortion. You know, just recently, I believe it was Senator Sass had came out with a bill to to protect the right of the born, Born Alive Act, right? I believe that's the name of it. The Born Alive Abortion Survivors Protection Act. Right. got shot down right so now we're not even allowing infants to be born alive so you can see how far we've gone you know we're we're living in a culture of death the born alive act it's it's about when the baby's you know there's an abortion procedure and somehow the baby is born alive and uh, trying to get physicians to go ahead and take care of that baby give the the care to that baby that was born alive that that was intended to be aborted but it got shot down. And, right. and as soon as you see that, you think, what does this country come to? Yeah. That is an actual alive baby, and you're, and you're floundering on whether or not to care for it right. and to give it the care that it needs to, to live. It's been born alive. That's why they right. call it the Born Alive Act. And it's just a su- surprising turn of events yeah. when, it came to, when that was shot down, when it was voted down. I was a little 
uh, taken aback by that. That's that's further than um, I thought we would go, and it it really tells us about the depravity of man. Right? Um, how far do we go? Yeah, just recently as well, you know, one of the uh, Democratic candidates uh, that's running for president, Beto O'Rourke. We know this is his guy from our state, you know, Texas here. Yeah. Uh, he was recently asked about abortion uh, up to the third trimester, and should that be allowed? And we're talking about the third trimester. We're talking about seven to nine months already, right? So, right. And he his answer was, I'll leave that up to the mother to decide. She knows better than me. So you can see how far we've come, and it's just become uh, something that's, that's starting to be more and more accepted later in the pregnancy. Uh, where abortion is starting to be accepted. So we're living in this type of culture right now where, not to put it lightly, it's just a culture of death. So this is what we wanted to talk about today. We wanted to kind of flesh that out from a scriptural uh, viewpoint. So let's go ahead and talk about it as we go through abortion. We live in America. So, you know, again, I've mentioned this is a, kind of the hot button of the issue of the day. And it's been it's been like that for a while. Right. Let's talk about the history of it, particularly here in this country. Right. Sure. So can you tell me where did it come from? What do, what do we know about the history of abortion in America? Well, legalized abortion, uh, 1973, Ro- Roe v. Wade. Most right. Most everybody knows about that case. But as I was researching some of these things, it seems like there's been some form of abortion throughout world history, throughout the centuries, throughout time. There's, there's not been a time when uh, we didn't do this. The Bible even talks about uh, our sacrifices to Molech in the Bible. Uh, but as I was going through, uh, I found it interesting that while it was not something that there was a law against, it was in the uh, here in America in the early 1800s, it was physicians, it was doctors that were dealing with pregnancies, that were dealing with, with children, that were the first ones to support criminalization of abortion. So, of course, at one point there wasn't these laws. And so by 1910, nearly every state had anti-abortion laws. Uh, Nearly every state by 1910. So up up to that point in time, in the early 1800s, we started pushing to criminalize the act of abortion. And by 1910, we had had done so just about in every state. That's that's saying something about the morality of America, early, the early America. Now, in the 1920s and 1930s, we took a turn. And that turn really, here's, here's what gets me about this turn is that it started with Margaret Sanger. And Margaret Sanger actually was a, a student of something we call eugenics. Right. Eugenics, the, the EU in eugenics means good. The, the G-E-N means race. Now, we can have our debates about whether uh, racial, not racial, this, that, and the other. But in her mind... She felt that there was a superior race. Uh, she, she'd learned these things also. There was a guy named uh, Francis Galton, Sir Francis Galton, a cousin of Charles Darwin, who was also a proponent of eugenics, learning from Charles Darwin some of the things that he, that he was putting out there, saying that there was the evolution of man and that there were superior races. Now, if anybody goes to, the, to look at the, the, the title for The Origin of Species, it talks about the superior races. And in Margaret Sanger's mind, there were superior races, and what we needed to do as a human race to survive was to do away with the lesser races, with the inferior races. So her first uh, foray into all this was was really about birth control. And she, in 1921, started something called the American Birth Control League. But her bent was towards getting the, the birth control into the neighborhoods where the lesser races lived, right. the blacks and the Hispanics and and those that she deemed to not be worthy of her status. Right. And here's the funny thing that happened now. After World War II came around, which 
Hitler was a eugenics guy. Right. He was the same kind. He had the same kind of mindset. Here's a superior race. Let's do away with all these other races. And so he wipes out 8 million Jews or 11 million Jews. Yeah. And this was the, his same thought process. Well, after after that happened uh, with Margaret Sanger and her group and all the people that kind of supported her, they're like, well, we can't call it eugenics anymore because, you know, everybody's going to look at Hitler and say that's the same thing. So they changed the name to something called Planned Parenthood. Hmm. And that's what we have today. See, this yeah. is the, the funny thing is that Planned Parenthood is a, a the largest abortion factory in this country. Right. It's just oxymoronic that they would call it Planned Parenthood. Hmm. We're not planning anything here. Right. We're planning to murder babies is what we're talking about. And so here's the thing. It's still going on today. This superior race thing is still going on today. Yeah. One of the largest abortion facilities that uh, was recently built in Los Angeles was built in an area, uh, two black neighborhoods and a, and a Hispanic neighborhood where they meet. Right. They're not building these abortion factories in white neighborhoods. Right. And and again, I'm not I'm not a, a, a racial kind of guy. I don't look at I don't look at things from that perspective. But Margaret Sanger's point or her the, her thought process has been realized through Planned Parenthood. Here's the, the the stunning statistic: in New York City last year, there were more babies aborted than born. More black babies were aborted than born in New York City last year. That is an incredible statistic. Just to think that it's working. Her plan is working. And it's deceptive. So somebody out there might be asking, why do you guys care about this so much? Doesn't a woman have a right to choose? It's her body. That's usually the arguments that we hear coming from the pro-choice crowd, right? Right. And just to kind of uh, lay that out there, pro-choice meaning women's right to choose the abortion Pro-life, meaning the baby's right to live, right? The infant's right to live and so forth. So we would say we land on the side of pro-life. We believe that it's uh, the infant's right to live. So when you say, why why do you take this position, right? Well, because we have, again, we're believers, so we're going to always ground it in Scripture, right? So let me go ahead and just start off with one uh, here that that I want to ground here in Scripture and why we believe this way and why it's such an important issue for us. And then we'll kind of flesh it out a little bit more. But I got uh, Psalm 139, verse 13. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. That's key right there. In your book were written every one of them. The days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. Wow. One of the arguments that people have on the pro-choice side or the pro-choice crowd, one of the arguments that they have is that it's not a baby yet. You know, it's not formed. It's not developed yet. And here we have in Scripture, the psalmist saying that God saw me in my unformed substance. I wasn't formed yet, but God saw me. That means that I was a person there that God was looking upon. I was being created. I was I was being fearfully and wonderfully made. I was being knitted together inside my mother's womb. So the reason why guys like us and, and most believers are so passionate, and I think, you know, sometimes, you know, people in the secular crowd don't understand why we are so passionate about this issue. Right. And, and this is the reason. I mean, We're passionate about it because we firmly believe that at conception, the image of God is being fearfully and wonderfully made. At conception, there is someone who is being formed, may not be fully formed yet, he or she, 
but it is an unformed person being knitted together as as the scripture says so this is why we we have such a strong stance on this issue i mean anybody would have a, a strong stance on children being murdered right anybody will right you know you're going to look and if you see uh, genocide happening in, right before your eyes anybody's going to be outraged yeah the problem is is that people are not outraged because they don't see it happening right before their eyes but it is happening yes. inside a mother's womb right you, you know just to kind of piggyback off what you're saying i've i've even heard arguments that that say well when is it viable when is it well mm-hmm. when when it's out of the womb now now it can be on so no it can't if 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 it if it's dependent on others to survive right and the baby's born guess what my kids still kind of depend on me now and they're right. in their 20s right. every now and then they'll they'll reach out to me and say right. hey daddy i need this or i need that can you help me out yeah that argument gives a uh, pass to people with disability right you know? Look, if you're going to t- sit here and tell me, well, uh, until the baby can take care of itself, when is that going to happen? Right. When they're 18? When they're 5? How old? How old is too old? Because even when they're born, they still need care. Mm-hmm. And so really the argument that says until uh, until they're viable, it, it doesn't make sense to me. Now, what you were just saying, the verses that you just quoted, I thought were interesting. From And, and you're talking about... Uh, the unformed substance, you know, w- what God says he did. And so that's why we're so passionate about it. I want to take us to Exodus 21, verses 22 through 25, which say this. When men strive together and hit a pregnant woman so that her children come out, but there is no harm, the one who hit her shall surely be fined as the woman's husband shall impose on him and he shall pay as the judgment determines. But if there is harm, then you shall pay life for life. Eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, stripe for stripe. I want to go back and say, okay, so this is a pregnant woman that gets hit. And if there is harm, you'll pay life for life. And God is making it clear there is life in that womb. Life for life. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about what he's saying there. And so for us to sit here and say it's not a life until it's born... Well, we, we've got something. You know, Mississippi just tried to, right. uh, they, they just put out some legislation. I believe it's Mississippi. Let me, before you get to that, let me just yeah. briefly touch on uh, the scripture you were just reading and, and Calvin's commentary on that, that passage. John Calvin. He says, the fetus, though enclosed in the womb of its mother, is already a human being. And it is an almost monstrous crime to rob it of life, which it has not yet begun to enjoy. If it seems more horrible to kill a man in his own house than in a field, because a man's house is his place of most secure refuge, it ought surely to be deemed more atrocious to destroy a fetus in the womb before it has come to light. Wow, and that's yeah. Calvin. That's John Calvin. That's John yeah. Calvin. Wow. So before I'll, science, right? Yeah. Before I mean, we've we've advanced to know how early we can detect a baby. Right. This is John Calvin saying that. Yeah. Yeah, and you know it's it's interesting because. When you look at, here's another verse. I, I would just say Jeremiah 1 5 says this Before I formed you, before I formed you, I, I'm going to say that one more time because it, it bears repeating. Before right. I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Right. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Now, this is God speaking to Jeremiah. Before I formed you in the womb, that, that means that in the mind of God, you have existed. Right. Life began somewhere else. And see, the argument that, that we always hear is, when does life begin? Mm-hmm. This has always been the debate. When does life begin? And, you know, as I was studying, as I was reading, it, it brought to mind uh, 
Genesis 2-7. When God made Adam, in Genesis 2-7, it says, And God made man from the dust of the ground and breathed life into his nostrils. And, and my thought is that the thing we do when we abort a baby is take from God something that belongs to him. He is the giver of life. Right. It says, He breathed life into man's nostrils. Mm-hmm. And when we usurp that authority and, and, and we try to take over and say, well, you know what? I'm going to be in control of this. Right. It's the same lie we've right. always been told. Well, I'm going to go back to the thing you said earlier, that the thing that people, the mantra from the pro-choice side has been for years, it's a woman's right to choose. It's a woman's right to choose. Can I, can I just say that when I go back to Genesis 3, when I go back to the fall, and I look at how that whole thing began, you know, actually, I'm just going to go there. I'm just going to go there and I'm going to read uh, Genesis chapter 3. Starting in verse 1, it says this, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now, what the serpent is offering to Eve is to be like God. And this is the same lie that's being told today to women. You know what? Have that abortion. Take from this fruit, right? right? So that you can get your life back. And, and, you know, the, the Bible also teaches us... Or also be the giver and taker of life. Be the giver of life, be the taker of life. That's God's position. Yeah, that's God's position. Uh, and here's here's what we're telling women when we when we say that. You you have the control. You can do what you want. Right. But there's more harm that comes from this than good. Right. In the end, and I've, I've heard so many stories of women that have resented or had right. remorse or yeah. repented later for having had that abortion yeah. or having in their hearts this, this thing that, that, you know, and the scars... They're there. Um, you can talk to women that have, have come to Christ, have come to know Christ, and have had... This is a forgivable sin, by the way. Right. Uh, if you have an abortion, don't think we're, we're railing on you and saying that you can never be forgiven. This is a forgivable thing. Yeah. The thing we're saying is that it needs to stop. Mm-hmm. One of the things that, that gets me is that if anybody says that you can't get forgiveness in Christ, Christ forgives. The thing that we're that we're talking about is this idea in your mind that you would have control over your life when Jesus has said you can't turn one hair white or black that's on your head. What control do you think you have right. over your life? Now, granted, get up, go to work tomorrow, make the bed, okay? Put gas in your car so that you can get to work. Right. There there are things that, that are just not, a little silly, but you know, when we think about the control that we have or the way that we want, you know, I look at someone getting pregnant as, hey, you you kind of made your bed there. If you were having sex, whether it's outside of marriage or in the marriage or whatever, you were a part of that. And when that pregnancy showed up and you started thinking, what can I do about this? Now you're taking control away from God. Right. And you were all in control when you were having sex outside of marriage, if that's the case, even within the marriage. Yeah. If if there's a married couple out there that are you know listening to this and thinking uh, about abortion, I, I got to say to the man that's listening to us, yeah. we've talked about abandonment of your family before at the, in this podcast. This is worse. Right. This is worse. Even contemplating the murder of your own child, 
as a man, you should step up and say, no, no, I want my child to live. Right. This is an important thing for men. We're, we're two guys, again, I say this, we always you know, kind of joke around being two guys from the hood, but we're taking this kind of seriously. This is a serious subject. Right. And for the men that are listening to us, know this. Me and Pastor Chris have been studying our Bibles for years now. And I got to say, the Bible teaches us that murder is wrong. Right. Exodus, it's one of the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt yeah. not kill. Murder, abortion is murder. Right. And fathers that are out there that are allowing this thing to happen to their sons are partakers in that murder. You are not guiltless when it comes to this. Yes, and speaking from a, you know, a father's point of view, we've kind of discussed this before, told you before, and many people know that, you know, we, my, me and my wife have been through five miscarriages now, you know, so, and one of them she actually had to induce labor on and we, we actually had a funeral for. So I, I feel that same pain and sorrow that, that my wife just felt, you know, and I'm the dad. So, I mean, from a father's point of view, losing those those babies. I mean, we we tell our kids all the time that they have brothers and sisters in heaven, you know, because we want to ingrain it in their mind at a young age that they were they were known by God. These infants or these babies, all these pregnancies that my wife went through that she lost, these miscarriages, they were known by God, as Scripture tells us. So we want our children to know that as well. And, you know, just feeling the effects of that as a father, I mean, I, I felt just the same sorrow that my wife did. I mean, obviously she's going to have some more connection because she carried, you know, the, the child, you know, especially the one that we had to induce. But from the father's point of view, you know, it, it was just it was just the same as losing a child at the time. It was it was really a big deal. And um, fathers are not hands off. And that's I think that's the point that you're trying to right. say, you know, this is not. Oh, well, this is just a woman's right to choose is whatever she wants to do with her body. No, this is something that both the, the man and the woman created. This is a child that both the man and the woman created. So fathers do need to step up and do need to be the protector. Now, at conception, this is what we believe from Scripture. At conception, it's your job as a father to protect that child. Yes. Yes. You know, you made me think about David um, and Bathsheba when they had uh, sinned and they'd had that affair. I think we... We might have talked about that on this podcast here before, but if you if you want to know the story, I'm not going to read it here, but Second um, Samuel chapters 11 and 12, David sinned against God. He had an affair with Bathsheba. He plotted to murder uh, Uriah, the Hittite, uh, and then he took Bathsheba in and they had that son in. When Nathan came to rebuke him in chapter 12, he told him a story. David got upset, and then when Nathan pointed back at him and said, this man is you, mm. and Nathan told him, God's going to take your child. Right. He got on his on his face and for a week didn't eat, prayed to God, don't take my child. Right. When the child had died, I just want to read this. Um, this is in Second Samuel chapter 12, verse 19. But when David saw that his servants were whispering together, David understood that the child was dead. And David said to his servants, is the child dead? They said he is dead. Then David arose from the earth and washed and anointed himself and changed his clothes. And he went into the house of the Lord and worshipped. He then went to his own house. And when he asked, they set food before him and he ate. Then his servant said to him, What is this thing that you have done? You have fasted and wept for the child while he was alive. But when the child died, you arose and ate food. He said, While the child was still alive, I fasted and wept. For I said, Who knows whether the Lord will be gracious to me, that the child may live. But now he is dead. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he will not return to me. Now, I want to say that to to just kind of round this off a little bit for all those that have partaken in a an abortion. And there are many out there. 
there are millions of babies in this country that have been aborted up to this point. There are something like 3,000 that are done a day in this country. This sin, if you come to a place of repentance, if, you, if you've come to a place where, where you understand this, this was wrong, murder was wrong, uh, abortion is murder. It is the taking of a human life. Right. And so if you've come to that place where you've repented, know this, God is merciful. And that one day, when you get to be there, you will get to see your child again. According to Scripture, right. David says, I'm going to him. I can't. He can't come to me, but I'm going to him. Yeah. And so for all of you that are out there thinking, well, man, I've, taken, I've partaken of an abortion, there's forgiveness found in Christ, and there's also the opportunity to see your child again. Right. And, and so we would just ask you and to plead with you, repent, put your trust in Christ, come to know the Lord, and get to see your child again. Uh, this is such an important topic. It's a heavy topic for, for all of us. Anytime we want to talk about about certain things, I want to say when I was talking about uh, Genesis 3, the fall, the, the deception that, that the serpent deceived Eve with, this this idea that you would be God, it's, it's this, I want to control my own fate kind of thing. Right. Instead of putting all our trust in the Lord and letting him lead and guide, that has gotten us wrong. And, and earlier we talked about the phrase, it's a woman's right to choose. I gotta say that's man's morality. It sounds like a moral statement. It does. It's a woman's right to choose. It sounds right. But the only connotation that we use it for is for abortion. Right. To justify it. To make it right in the sight of those people that, that don't want and you know what? Most people they just it's an indoctrination statement. It's something that has been said for so long in this country that people have just taken it up. Right. Without thinking through every aspect of it. And there are resources out there. If you've never seen Living Waters, uh, the movie 180, I, I would recommend that you go watch that. And, and Wretched Radio has produced something called Life is Best. Get those resources and go go watch that. Think it through. Right. What is abortion? It is the unlawful taking of a human life. That human life that was viable. That, that When I was telling you earlier about Mississippi's bill that they have produced and I'm not sure if it's passed yet or not. Right. But they're trying to get a heartbeat law. If you can hear the heartbeat, no abortion. And I would love for that law to happen because and and I know that I've seen um instances where a sonogram was done and that girl that was contemplating abortion or that woman that was pl- contemplating abortion heard the heartbeat. Something happens at that moment. You know that this thing is alive. Right. And I want to say this thing, this baby is alive. This baby is alive. And when you hear the heartbeat, that makes you want to change your mind. What am I doing here? Before we close, I do want to touch on the issue of of justice. We did an episode a couple episodes back, which is pretty much our most popular episode. Uh, We did uh, part one and two. We talked about social justice. Right. And we mentioned how the world is trying to uh, bring their view of social justice into the church and so forth. So... We've seen recently, especially in evangelical circles, uh, people trying to tie all this together, abortion, that's just included with the whole social justice issue and so forth. So we believe, and I think we're pretty much on the same page, that abortion is a justice issue. It is. It's a justice issue. We don't like to use that word social justice because it, it just has so much baggage with it, right? 
I personally would, would rather not call it a social justice issue. I would just like to just say it's a justice issue. We see 700,000 babies a year being murdered in our country. If there is any justice issue going on, if there is anything that we need to speak up against, it is that. I don't see 700,000 people in whatever neighborhood you want to go to being killed every single year. We don't see that number. I don't see uh, 700,000 people dying of, of hunger in our country every year. That's not what's going on. But we have we do have 700,000 babies being murdered every single year. So people are trying to elevate all these other issues to the same status as abortion. So now what we got is we got this new saying from the womb to the tomb, I'm right. pro-life from the womb to the tomb and so forth. So what they're trying to do is tie all these issues together. So we're putting everything on this equivalency, equal equivalency, where uh, not being able to earn sixty, seventy thousand $70,000 a year is the same injustice as a person being murdered, which is ridiculous. It, it is yeah. total, utterly ridiculous. I, I object or I reject this womb from the tomb business. It, it makes no sense. I wrote a small article uh, I could point to it on one of my blogs. I'll add it in the show notes where I, I just don't believe I think it's dangerous to do this because what it's doing is it is minimizing or it's taking the attention off the, the pro-life cause. And it's, it's shifting the uh, focus and the attention to everything else, making everything else a pro-life issue. So now it's if, if you ain't living in a nice neighborhood, that's a pro-life issue. If you don't have a good job, that's a pro-life issue. If you don't have have an equal seat at the table, then that's a pro-life issue. I mean, come on, where have we come? This is utterly ridiculous. Right. And evangelicals are eating this stuff up. Yeah. You know, and if, I'm just going to be honest with you. I know what it is. It's an issue to make evangelicals okay with voting on the Democratic ticket. That's wow. what it is. It's It wants to make uh, evangelicals who... The Republican side, the, the right, they've had that vote, right? They've had, I believe it's like 90% in the last election, evangelicals voted uh, for, on the Republican ticket. So they've had that constituency. The Republicans had, have had the evangelical constituency for, for a long time. And it really has to do because of this one issue, because of yeah. uh, the pro-life issue. So I believe the, the effort now is being made to, to steal that vote from the left and let's just include everything under the pro-life bandwagon and let's just make it okay for evangelicals to, to vote on the Democratic ticket. Now, we've said this before. We're not political. Our job is not to be political on this, this show, to, to promote one party over the other. That's not what this is about. We're not about doing that. We want to share our points of view from scripture, not from politics. Uh, you know, I think yeah. I think both sides have issues, to tell you the truth. Right. Uh, but I think that's what it is, and I think it's a very dangerous tactic. Right. Know? Well, it's pretty apparent, too, when you see the voting. And, and, you know, again, we don't want to get all political, but Trump did this State of the Union address where he talked about abortion. Right. And I thought it was bold. I thought it was bold. It was a bold move on his part. And when he said these things, which is something we should cheer, we should say... Abortion is wrong, and it's something we should stand up for, but you could see the Democratic Party did not want to stand up for that. They did not want right. to support that in any way, shape, or form. And for me, just looking at that, it, it, it kind of gets me. It's a sad thing that uh, that someone would not esteem the life of a child, mm -hmm. even if that child is, in, is still in the womb. Again, we, we go back to the fact that life begins at conception. We believe that uh, when when the Lord forms us, he knows us even before he forms us in the womb. 
And so there's, there's something to be said about that for anyone that argues that, well, when does life begin? Scripture tells us. Right. And when I was talking earlier about man's morality and that, that whole phrase, uh, a woman's right to choose, well, this is another moral statement that people are making from the womb to the tomb. This is what we should be taking care of. I'm with you, Pastor Chris. I would say this. If you're an able-bodied man that can get out there and, and right. get a job, I'm not going to hold your hand. And you know what? Um, the Bible's the Bible's pretty clear about that. Look at the ant slugger, Proverbs 6. Right. Look at the ant slugger who gathers what he needs in the, in the summer so that he'll have enough food in the winter. Right. The admonishment there is, hey, if you're able-bodied, man, get out there and do what you're supposed to do. And again, we know the scripture tells us if if you don't take care of your family, you're worse than an infidel. Right. And so there's no thing out there in the Bible that says, hey, if you're not making sixty, seventy thousand dollars a year, you're you're oppressed. Yeah. No. You know what? Here's here's the thing. In this country, you have the opportunity to build a skill set. You have the opportunity to go further than. Come on, we we live in one of the best countries in the world yeah. when it comes to opportunities that are afforded. Whether or not you want to take that opportunity, it's up to you. Yeah, that's where that's where your freedom uh, of choice comes in. Yeah, yeah, and we're not saying that you know because you grew up in the on the wrong side of the tracks or in a bad neighborhood that you might not be at a at a small disadvantage. You know because of your your background where you come from, you don't have the the wealth. You weren't born into wealth that others were. We're all going to start at different points yeah. in life. Yeah. You know, you might have, yeah, you might you might be at a small disadvantage, but there's still nothing stopping you from working hard and getting ahead. There's still nothing stopping you right. from working yourself out of poverty. Yeah. You still have the ability to do that. Now, you might not have the the ability to, you know, land on a Forbes uh, 100 list or whatever, right? <laughs> or maybe you might. I mean, there's people that have dug themselves yeah. out of the, you know, out of the slums to be on those lists. But, I mean, you might not be there, but that doesn't mean you're oppressed. Yeah. That doesn't mean you're a victim. That doesn't mean that you have all this injustice coming out on you, I mean, against you. However, these babies that are being murdered inside the womb are oppressed. They are the victim. They are the ones that are being slaughtered. They are the ones that that don't have a voice. That's another big one to speak for the people that don't have a voice. I mean, come on. If you're alive, you got a voice. You're on Twitter. You know, tweeting how much you're oppressed, saying you don't have a voice. But you know, yeah, you you're, you're on Facebook. You're on Twitter. You're on Instagram. Yeah. You got a voice. You know who doesn't have an Instagram account? Or a Twitter account or a Facebook account, that baby that was murdered inside the womb, that baby that was murdered inside the womb doesn't have one. They don't have a voice. So that when we talk about justice issues, again, still away with social justice. Let's talk about justice. Right. This is a justice issue. So you know, I know that we're getting pretty close to the time to close. What about what about that one argument? What about rape? What about incest? What about and you know what? It's tough. Right. It's tough as evangelical Christians, as lovers of God. We hate rape. We hate incest. Mm-hmm. That type of sin is awful. Mm-hmm. I've, I've often said this to, if, if, if you're going to be a, a, a criminal, rather be a murderer than a, than a, than a rapist. Because right. rape has got to be one of the worst things you can do in this world. Mm-hmm. And so my heart would go out to anyone that is a victim of rape or incest. And yet I have to say, what did the child do? Right. That child wasn't unplanned. Because God's plans can never be thwarted. God is the giver of life. This is the, th- the thing that we got to get back to. God is the one that plans all these things. If God is sovereign, then that baby was planned. That baby was meant to happen. And so while it's a tough thing to talk about rape and incest, and again, this is like one-tenth of one percent of the right. time that this, that this would happen. 
90% of the abortions done in this country are done out of convenience. Yeah. Uh, for convenience sake. It's not the time. I don't have enough money. I just can't take care of this baby. That type of thing. Well, guess what? If we thought like that, no one would ever get married. No one would ever have children. It's never the right time. Right. Right? But the Bible is clear. Uh, and the command is still there. Be fruitful and multiply. Just do it. Trust in the Lord, though. That's the thing. And so when I'm talking to someone that has been a victim of rape or incest, I want to say this to you if you're listening. My heart goes out to you. I'm praying for you. I love and I care about you. But that's not a reason to murder a a baby in the womb. Yeah. We believe in justice, and we believe there's nothing wrong with with laying down justice to someone who has committed a crime. Right. So if someone has been found guilty of rape, then they need to be punished by the fullest extent of the law. Right. If someone has been convicted of murder, they need to be punished by the fullest extent of the law. I, for one, believe in capital punishment. I think that's a biblical argument. Yes. Uh, So they need to be punished. However, that baby that was the result of this doesn't deserve to be punished. Uh, One act of evil doesn't justify another act of evil. Right. So rape, incest, clearly acts of evil. And someone needs to be brought to justice for that. But it shouldn't be the child. It shouldn't be the baby. Right. I don't think that uh, that one act of evil justifies committing another act. I think that'll just make the problem worse. Yeah. You know, it'll just make the problem worse. And again, a, a small percentage of abortions that happen in America are because of rape or incest. And that's really the biggest argument that they, they like to use. Yeah. In the and I, crowd. I think we've addressed that. I just, when it comes to the convenience argument, and see, this is one of the things I, I had a hard time trying to find it. I, I wasn't able to find it, but I know that I read an article before of a young lady that was uh, quoted as saying, I know it's a baby in the womb. I just don't care. And see, this is where I think oh, the depravity of man. How far have we come? Right. How far have we come that we would just not care that that's a human life? To get to the point where my life is so much more. See, this is not the Christian viewpoint. This is not the Christian viewpoint. If you're a Christian out there and you're listening to us and you're, and you're on the fence about abortion, I want to tell you something. Jesus said this, lay down your life, take up your cross, come follow me, right? To live is Christ, to die is gain. We lay down our lives for others. We esteem others higher than ourselves as Christians. This is the Christian viewpoint that I would lay down my life that another might live. This secular viewpoint, this abortion thing, if you're pro-choice out there, what you're actually saying is, my life is more important than the baby that is in that womb. My life is more important. And the Christian viewpoint says, my life is not that important. But that Christ live in me, that's the most important thing. I want to just quote one verse. This is my last verse. Galatians 2.20. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I. But Christ lives in me, and the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I, I want to put that out there because I live this life as a Christian so that others might see and come to know Christ. I lay down my life so others might come to know him. As a Christian, you need to be able to see that viewpoint. Your life is not more important than the baby that's in that womb. Right. That makes sense. It does it makes sense, man? Um, and you know, to close and just to wrap it all up, I think we definitely need to to pray for. Uh, and we live in America, so let's just. I mean, we need to pray for our country because 
I think our country is under the wrath of God for this issue. You know, the yeah. fact that we we do this and we turn a blind eye to the atrocity and to the infanticide of abortion is just utterly irresponsible. And and I just can't believe that that God's judgment hasn't come down harder than it has already. And I think I need to repent myself at times for not taking this issue so seriously, right? right. Because sometimes, you know, I, it doesn't weigh on me like it should because we don't see what's going on. It's in the womb. It's not right in front of our face. But, you know, just to put it as simply as we can, and the reason why, and, and the Christian stance on this, and the reason why we take this stance, and the biblical stance on this is, is pretty simple. There is no difference than a five-year-old to a five-week-old. There is absolutely no difference. And if we were going around murdering five-year-olds, this country would be an outrage. Yeah. You know, If we were just making it purely legal for anyone to murder their child at five years old, we wouldn't be able to, to live with ourselves. We wouldn't be able to go through our day. We would see such evil going on all around us. Right. But we turn a blind eye to it because we don't see what's going on inside the womb. Yep. And we allow it to not affect us. And we allow it to go on and on and on. And you, you asked this question you know, a while ago. You know, If you're out there and you're still on the fence of abortion and you're a believer, and maybe there's a believer out there that's saying, yeah, what's, what's the big deal about this issue? It's a big deal because it matters to God. These are people created in the image of God. Yes, He is the giver of life. He is the taker of life. We do not have the permission to step into that role. We do not have the permission to, to murder. I mean, as we see in, in the scriptures in the very beginning, this is something that God took very seriously. Murders is one of the, the biggest evils and injustices we can do. It's something that God takes very seriously. And again, to put it simply, this is what we believe abortion is. It's clearly murder. Right. It is murder that our country is allowing people to get away with. It's an issue that our country and a lot of believers are, are turning a blind eye to. And I think it's time that we need to, to wake up and we need to see it for what it is. And we need to, to fight it with all we got. This is the issue of our day. This is the justice issue of our day. Right. Uh, you can talk about everything else all you want, but this is the justice issue of our day. Yeah. Right. Well, with that, this is a somber, this is a somber topic. And I just want to piggyback off of what you said a minute ago. In studying for this I found myself in a repentant state also. I found myself wanting to repent for not being more active about this, for not addressing the issue more like I ought to, for being a, a man of God that, that speaks a lot about these, these types of issues. Now I go evangelize. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to this issue, I feel like I need to be out there more, especially after this week of studying this topic and thinking to myself, I need to get out there more. Right. I need to talk. I need to educate myself more to make the argument that I should. I have discussed this issue with some with some people at some times, and I'm going to tell you something. One day I had a, a, this conversation, an abortion conversation with someone uh, that I work with, who told me after we got going in the conversation, which I didn't back down from, she said to me, you can't force your ideology on me. And I turned and I said, well, what are you doing right now but forcing your ideology on me? Right. So it goes one way or the other. We need to fight for the unborn. Mm -hmm. And I find myself in a repentant state this past week, uh, feeling like I have gone backwards, maybe, right. and not addressing this issue as, as, as much as I should. Mm -hmm. This is, again, like you said, the hot topic of our day. And if you're listening to us out there and you're hearing this and, and you find yourself thinking a little bit more about the state that we're in, 
pray with us for our country. Right. Pray with us for those that are thinking about an abortion right now. Pray that God would change their hearts, would draw them closer, that they might see that this that's in the womb is a child. Right. It's a human being made in the image and the likeness of our God and Creator. Right. Yeah, so, you know, very passionate about this issue. This is an issue that's near and dear to us, so that's why we wanted to talk about it. But there's a lot we left out again, like always, man, yeah. I'm pretty sure. But, you know, I think it's time to wrap it up there. But, you know, if you got any questions or any uh, pushback, anything you want us to share on this topic, go ahead and just send us a message. You can go to the website at com. There you'll see a little message board where you can send us a message. And just send us a message, you know, let us know what you think. You know, also you can find us uh, on Twitter at, at the at Sola underscore cast, right? And then you're at... At Los Jimmy. Right. And you can find me at C Hernandez 214. So there you can follow us. Also follow us on Facebook at uh, just search the SolarCast. There you can see all the latest uh, updates that we have as well. Also, leave us a review. Maybe you've listened to this show a couple of times and a few times and, you know, you're you're thinking it's all right. You know, it's all right. <laughs> leave, leave us a review. Let us know what you think. You can do that at, at iTunes or any of the other podcasts that we're on or uh, the other uh, platforms that we're on. So, yeah. you know, just leave us a review. Let us know what you think of the show and, uh, you know, help us grow the show. Tell a friend, share it, tweet it, retweet it, whatever you got to do. Uh, you know, also, if you live in the Dallas area, don't forget to come check us out at 1819 Singleton Boulevard there in West Dallas. We also are at online at www.ecclesiachurch.org. Right. Right. But until next time. Let's get to the meat. Let's do it. Okay. I just made this beat right now. I'm MC Goya. Okay, listen. Hey, I'm on the ground like El Chapo in a tunnel eating about 12 tacos. I'll put you in a box like a gato. Punchline stay in my mouth like Mr. Sacco. Jay thinks he runs Christian hip hop. He wears white socks when he wears his flip flops. And he looks like Shook Knight. I put him in a chokehold and say good night. It's not music but clothes that he started. I can find better shirts in a flea market. Okay, Google, who's the best rapper?